been kind of anonymous around here for a couple of years now as uh, my wife Leanne uh, has been a member of the staff here. We often come in and worship together as a family on Saturday nights. We've been, we've been doing that for a long time um, because I'm a pastor. Uh, I was a pastor in Arlington the last couple of years, but was given the opportunity um, in July to go experience uh, the life of a, a different kind of church in North Dallas. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but I led worship for a number of years before that. I've been pastoring for a few years. And it's just a joy and a privilege to help you all usher in uh, 2017 this morning. I promise Johnny will be back next week. Um, <laughs> I do have a large, if brief, announcement to share with y'all this morning. It wasn't part of the celebrations that Leanne shared with you earlier. Uh, but in case you haven't heard, Betty White survived 2016. <laughs> Betty White, golden girl, national icon, treasure, Survived 2016. And I think if there's a great way to uh, summarize 2016, for those of us that survived it, it's using that word. <laughs> Survive. As the news kept rolling towards the end of the year, I was just like, I am ready for January the 1st. Not just because I get to be here with y'all this morning, but because my microphone decided to fall off. We got this. We got this. Technology is our friend, not our enemy. So I think for, for most of us, 2016 um, was a year of strangeness, of, of anxiety, of tensions, maybe in our lives, certainly in the lives of our communities, our, our country, and our world. But one of the beautiful things that God has gifted us with through God's creation it is a creation that, that is built on, on rhythm, a creation that is built on newness, uh, a cycle that is constantly refreshing itself and, and bringing new and amazing things in. So even if 2016 was the, the greatest year ever for you and I won't discount that wonderful things happened in 2016. For a lot of us, we've just been ready to move on. And thanks be to God, January the 1st of every year, we have an opportunity to breathe deeply and start fresh. So I'd like to talk to you all about taking deep breaths this morning. Uh, oftentimes, when we get stressed out, when we get anxious, the first thing that we forget how to do is breathe. Breathing is one of these uh, weird things that we have that is both involuntary and voluntary. We can control it, but when we don't, our body and our brain does it for us. But when we can take a moment and take a deep breath, what we find is that it lowers our, our blood pressure. This is science. Science is awesome. Lowers our blood pressure. It it lowers our heart rate. It lowers our metabolism. 
It moves things in our brains from places of panic and anxiety to places where problems are presented that can be solved. Do any of you have problems that that need to be solved? (laughs) That you don't know how to do it? Try taking a deep breath. I'd like for us to just do that together this morning in here up in the cafe. Can we just take a deep breath? One more time. See, our bodies are built on rhythm too. Rhythms of bringing good things in and breathing out. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I I like to talk about what happens when, when God takes a deep breath and what God (laughs) breathes out for all of us. Um, So if you have your Bible with with you this morning, and I I certainly hope you do, it would certainly make your your pastors happy if you did. We can get you one if you don't. Um, I want you to open up to the first verse, the first chapter of the first book in your Bible. Don't do that. What happens when God breathes? Hear the word. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. God's God's wind, the ruach of God, the, the breath, the spirit of God is sent out over the waters. God said, let there be light, and so light appeared. God saw how good the light was. God separated the light from the darkness. God named the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. God makes it sound pretty pretty easy, doesn't God? I'm just going to breathe out and... Say a word as I do that, and there's a universe. Are there universes of possibilities with the things that we say? Perhaps. I got to check the tape every once in a while to make sure I'm in the batter's box over here. <laughs> it's like there's yellow, yellow all over. I'm, I'm in. I'm framed up. Let's, let's keep going here. God said, let there be a dome in the middle of the waters to separate the waters from each other. God made the dome and separated the waters under the dome from the waters above the dome. And it happened in that way. God named the dome sky. There was evening and there was morning the second day. God just makes it sound so easy. First there's light. Now there's a sky. And and God will keep going as we know this story. On the third day, God says another word, breathes out some more, and we have earth and seas and plants begin to grow on the earth and multiply. There was evening, there was morning that third day. God said, let there be lights in the dome. So the fourth day, God makes the sun. And so that there's not just light by day, God also puts a light in the sky at night, right? The moon that reflects the sun's light down on us in the evening. God puts stars in the sky with the word. Then on the fifth day, things start to get a little bit more crazy. 
We get fish. We get birds. What does God tell them to do? Be fruitful and multiply. Start spreading out. Start creating. Right? God imbues creation with creativity. The ability to grow. And we're just to the fifth day. Then on the sixth day, God said, let the earth produce every kind of living thing, livestock, crawling things, and wildlife. And and that's what happened. God made every kind of wildlife, every kind of livestock, and every kind of creature that crawls on the ground. God saw how good it was. It's all good. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on the earth. God blessed them. God blessed them and said to them, be fertile and multiply. Start creating. Fill the earth and master it. Be creative. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. Then God said, and I'll give to you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds. God's gifting this creative creation to the people that God creates. Give all the green grasses for food, and that's what happened. God saw everything he made, and this is, and it was supremely good. Some of your Bibles might say, God said it was very good, right? Very good. Everything up to this point, God says, is, is, is good. When God finishes God's work of creation, very, very good. Now, I want to nerd out on you all just a little bit. I know that you all are kind of accustomed to pastors nerding out on you, but (laughs) your pastors are dear and special friends of mine. Um, What we come to know as the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, uh, finally begins to be kind of collated into something resembling what we have when God's people, the sons and daughters of Abraham, the Israelites, are are out in exile, the Babylonian exile, maybe the, one of the darkest periods in the life of Israel when they literally have no home. Some are taken into Babylon. Others are scattered out into the world. And they begin to encounter different stories of creation. Think of what you remember from your history classes in school. The various creation myths that people dreamed up to try to explain how things work in the world. Egyptian myths, Babylonian myths, Akkadian myths, Greek myths, Roman myths. What you find in those myths is that creation is usually created out of some kind of act of cosmic violence. A beast is slain and out of its body comes all this stuff. And humans are created, not not necessarily to be awesome, but to serve, to be slaves to whatever gods that people have created and, and people's own images to try to explain how things work in the world. And it's in the midst of, of that world that our Hebrew brothers and sisters, our ancient Hebrew brothers and sisters, begin to write down the stories that they had come to know 
that had been passed down to them from generation to generation that says, no, the world was not created out of a violent act. We were not created to be violent and hurt one another. We were created out of our loving God's abundant, life-giving creativity because God loves. And that reframes their lives as a people that, that are scattered across the known world. That no matter where we are, where we end up, our loving God created us as good and expects us to find our identity in God's goodness. Not in broken, sinful humanness, but in God's goodness. And, and, I think this is the special part that we find in the story God writes for us in Genesis 1. God didn't just breathe into this person or that person, but not into this person or that person. God breathes life into all people. Into all people. God doesn't limit God's love to just a few. But God spreads it out all over the creation that God created. Which brings me to what we do at Union Coffee. This church that I've been blessed to serve as, as a kind of uh, missionary for the last six months. I'm, I'm actually from the Central Texas Conference. This is our home conference where I'm hoping to, to be ordained. Um, I've been on loan to the North Texas Conference, to this upstart, new church start coffee shop in North Dallas across A75 from SMU called Union Coffee. Uh, the mission of Union is to cultivate the divine spark in our neighbors, in the neighborhood, for the good of Dallas and the world that it inspires through delicious coffee, robust community, and engaging causes. If you come to Union tomorrow, we're not open today, we're open back up tomorrow, one of the baristas will tell you, thank you for supporting Wesley Rankin, the Wesley Rankin Community Center through buying our coffee this morning. Because 10% of all coffee sales go to benefit local causes, places where we've seen that need the help, need uh, a, a raised awareness. Wesley Rankin um, is helping uh, about 300 Dallas homes, <laughs> um, families that are facing eviction right now from the city. Things that most of us wouldn't even know about. But all this provides a way in for us into our community. Um, we work specifically with young adults and millennials. Um, if you didn't know, uh, millennials uh, are both the most uh, populous generation in America right now, the biggest, but also the most unchurched. It's one of the first generations in America that has been raised uh, predominantly unchurched. And those that have been raised in the church, a lot of the time, either get bored with it and leave or get burned by it. 
and leave. Or they go through those natural progressions in life where you go off to college, don't find a church home, and decide not really to come back to one. And so what we've kind of discovered is that millennials are still gathering and seeking community. They're just not doing it in the church. Where are they doing it? Coffee shops. Young adults these days are drinking like 44% of the world's coffee. I'm not joking. It's a highly caffeinated group of people. <laughs> I've only had two cups today, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm just cycling down. I'm going to need another <laughs> pretty soon. Um, but it's not a frivolous expense like it had been before. You know, not just going to a diner and grabbing a cup of coffee, whatever. Millennials are kind of crazy about the details on this stuff. They want to know, like, where it's come from, who made it, how quickly it got to you, whether it's been, like, freshly ground-pressed and all that right there in the neighborhood. It's a, it's a meaningful expense. And a cup of coffee, um, gathering around a table for a cup of coffee, provides a way for young people and, and just people to kind of shed the tensions, take a deep breath, and pause in order to be creative. In order to be creative, sometimes you got to stop moving, sit down, and relax. And so we've gone there as Union Coffee. For four years now, Union has been on Dyer Street, um, just up the road from Mockingbird Station in Dallas, if you're familiar uh, with that area, with the express purpose of reaching young people, reaching new people, not just Christians that have moved into that neighborhood, but people that have never heard of Jesus before in their lives or, or heard, heard, a, uh, heard of a good Jesus. One of my friends, his name is Cody, began coming to Union Coffee uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, he was uh, in residency at Baylor as a nurse. Um, and initially when he came uh, there to get his uh, residency work done, paperwork done, homework done, he would come in with both of his earbuds in, which is a universal sign in a coffee shop that you don't want anybody to talk to you, right? This is what we do in our culture. I know you've seen it. You probably do it yourselves, right? I got both my earbuds in, so please leave me alone. And he would set up at a table in the back on Tuesdays and kind of plug through his work without meeting people. And he happened to stay late enough one night that he accidentally ended up in the middle of our Tuesday night worship service. Uh, <laughs> Kaneo Worship. Our people ask all the time, so where do you worship? Where do you do church? We actually do it in the coffee shop. We do it right there in the middle of it. It's, it's a large coffee shop, uh, much larger than the ones that we typically frequent in the world. And it, it's that way on purpose. It's comfortable. We want people to come and stay. We want you to come and stay and hang out. And so he was there hanging out, getting his work done. All of a sudden, you know, the band starts setting up, people start moving stuff around, and somebody came up to him, as we do when we start setting up for worship, and just say, hey, you know, you can keep getting your schoolwork done right here. You're not going to bother anybody. 
keep your earbuds in if that's what you want to do. Or you can take them out and listen. Or you can move a little bit further forward and participate. Whatever you want to do, we're good with. But this is going to happen right now. (laughs) This is going to happen right now. And sometimes when we do that, people get up and leave, right? And that's okay. That's okay because they were there (laughs) to begin with. Maybe they'll come back. We had 160 some odd customers a day come through the shop, turning towards 60,000 at the close of 2016. 60,000 people came through and bought a cup of coffee at Union. So worship starts happening around Cody. First night, not going to do it. Just going to sit there, get his work done, leave as soon as he can. Next Tuesday happens again. Not going to pay attention, not going to participate. Next Tuesday, he pulls out one of those earbuds when the band starts. Here's some Mumford and Sons. You don't hear a lot of Christian contemporary music at Union. We believe in trying to find the sacred in the world and cultivating that. So you're going to hear stuff that you've heard on the radio. And Cody begins to engage. And Mike... Uh, our Pastor Mike, not your Pastor Mike, Mike Bachman, uh, talks to Cody when he takes his earbuds out this one night, finally. Comes to find out that Cody is a nurse in residence, that he got really hurt by the church when he was young. Grew up in a more conservative, evangelical faith family. Left that church, throwing gestures with various hands behind himself as he left. Never going to come back. And he just accidentally happened upon Union, heard it was a good place to drink coffee and just get stuff done. We don't mind people hearing that about us. And then he starts sharing with Mike that he's got a residency project that he's really working through and really struggling with. What he wants to do is make capes. Make capes as a community project. Make capes and, and give them to Children that are fighting terrible, life-threatening, often terminal diseases. Capes. A a gift of hope. And so Mike connects him with another nursing resident that was coming through Union. Her name is Jordan. And they began to think up and dream on this. Starting to get creative because they'd found a place where they could, they could pause and take a deep breath and engage God's creative spirit. And now for the last couple of years, once a month, Union has turned into a cape-making factory. And we got all these like church ladies from local churches coming in with their sewing machines and they're teaching our young people how to sew, but you don't need to know how to sew to make a cape. We have stations all around the shop, people cutting fabric, people ironing on the patch that said, you are a superhero. Pinning, (laughs) putting Velcro on and and sewing and putting these things together. We have 50 to 100 people in the shop filling it up for a couple of hours one Saturday every month. And then Cody and his crew, they go into the hospitals. They go into these places where the kids are just in the middle of the worst. And they give them a cape. 
And they say, your sickness is your supervillain, but you are a hero. We are here with you in your fight. A group of people made this for you and are with you in your fight. And that's a nonprofit that was started inside Union by a guy who was done with the church. Hadn't heard anything good from it. And he just finished a, a year and a half on the worship leading team for our Tuesday night service. What happens when you take a deep breath and start breathing out good things? Creativity is a divine act and a, and, and a divine call in all of us that I think sometimes we ignore because, because we get comfortable. But in order to breathe out good things, I think we have to breathe in good things, right? We have to breathe in good air in order to live, in order to have deeper, more meaningful spiritual lives that pour out into the world like God wants us to do. We need to be breathing in good things. So I'm going to offer you a couple of dares to start off 2017. Just a few. You got some note paper. This might be a part, part where you might want to write some things down. This one is going to make your pastors really happy. But I'm going to dare you to start reading your Bible. The greatest gift we could give the world is to actually know what's in here. And, and engage with it. Ask it questions. I dare you to read something crazy and then email Pastor Johnny and be like, this really messed me up. I don't understand what's going on here. Can you help me? And as a friend of Johnny's, I can tell you nothing would probably make him more happy. Or David. Your pastors here want to engage with you as you engage the word of God. We aren't meant to just miraculously understand everything in here word for word. There's really complex stuff in here. So start reading it. Y'all are going to start a six-week series. I mean, we'll be here too. We'll be a part of that as congregants, anonymous people, <laughs> most of the time. My anonymity has been given up. Y'all are going to know I'm a pastor around here. I've just been floating in and out, play like drums for the landing on Thursday night. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Y'all are going to start a six-week series. Um, kind of reframe the Bible. Is it the book for you? Is it the book for you? You know, we actually got to make that choice and then actually live out some of the stuff that's in here if it is the book for us. So that is one dare I will give you. One dare I will give you. Uh, one other thing I dare you to breathe in. Breathe in facts, not just opinions. This is one of the things coming out of 2016 that, that kind of worries a lot of people that facts are so suspect these days. So I dare you to breathe in more facts. Breathe in some facts from here, <laughs> too. Not just, not just opinions. Which brings me to another thing I would love for you to start breathing in. <laughs> breathe in stories of others. That is one of the, the great gifts that I've been gifted through working at Union. Um, 
It was a better ability to talk to strangers. I didn't know how to do that. <laughs> I didn't know how to do that. They were a little bit iffy on giving me this appointment because I didn't necessarily have to talk to strangers. Part of that was the job I had before kept me in my office as a pastor. Kept me in my office. So I started writing my sermons out in the community. I had a Starbucks that I went to four days a week for just a couple of hours where I just sit out in the world and write out there. Starting to pick up on stories of other people around me and engaging with them as they wanted. But I, I dare you to meet new people in our community and listen to their stories about what the world is like for them and then share what the world is like for you. Nothing breaks down barriers better than sharing a story. Share it over a cup of coffee. Pause and breathe in your community. Breathe in goodness. Breathe in wisdom. It might actually lead to something amazing. A nursing student hanging out at our coffee shop dreamed up a nonprofit that takes capes to kids. Who would, have, who would have thought of that? And now thousands of children have been blessed. Their parents and families have been blessed. Their hospitals and staffs have been blessed. You might hear a story of somebody that has a great idea <laughs> and a way for, for God to bless the world through a person just by sharing a story. When I started um, back at Divinity School a couple of years ago, I put a sign up on my desk that came to me like as part of an advertisement, but with a quote that just stuck with me. And that quote is from um, Hemingway. And it says, there is nothing to writing. All you have to do is sit at your typewriter and bleed. There's nothing to writing. All you have to do is sit at your typewriter and bleed. And what Hemingway is trying to say there is that creative work is about pouring out yourself. God makes it sound easy. God makes it sound easy. But then the sun comes, right? Jesus comes, who was with God and the Holy Spirit when that whole creation thing was spinning out of nothing and into something. Jesus comes and doesn't take the easy way out. Doesn't take the easy way out. He does the hard thing. He, he engages with people <laughs> and asks them if they want to be part of something new and different that God wants to do in the world. And that would lead Jesus to a cross, not the easy way out. Where Jesus ultimately pours out his own self for us, over all of us. Saying God literally does hold it all. The song that we sang, that actually means something. God literally holds it all, holds all of us. And with that comes great expectation. God, God's put expectations on us. 
God created us and said that we were good. God doesn't want to know us by brokenness and hurt. God created us to be good. As one of my professors said, uh, in Jesus we are made right to do right. We're made good to do good. I dare you to do that in the new year. I dare you to do that in the new year. And not by yourself either. This is your faith family. We're intended to do good together. Let us pray. God, you have breathed out your creative divine breath into all of our lives. Whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, you created us and called us good. God, help us to be thankful, mindful people, mindful of that gift that you've given us, mindful of this creation that you have gifted us with, full of people, that needs you more than ever. Help us to not just reach into our own hearts, but to reach out into the world, to breathe out goodness, not hurt, not words that are destructive, but but words that heal, words that build up, words that create beautiful, wonderful, amazing things just as you did. We are universes of possibility, God. We desire for you to be our guide, our comfort in the hurt, and the one that pushes us out in the world to do good in your name. Amen.